Well, good morning, church. So, so good to be with you in worship this morning. Today, I want to spend just a little time thinking about the peace of God and what happens when you hear the call of God, what happens to you, what happens to a community of people when they hear the call of God and respond to it in faith. And so I'd like to invite you to, to, to look at the gospel that we read today. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1 or look in your bulletin at page 5. And let's look at what it says. We're going to start at verse 16. This is Jesus calling his very first disciples. Look at what it says. And passing along by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, I'm sure you've heard sermons on this text for many, many years, and I have too. And I've heard a lot of them, and most of them have to do about evangelism. They have to do with evangelism. Jesus is calling fishermen to stop trying to catch fish, but to follow him and learn how to start catching people. And that is certainly what this is about. Certainly what it's about. At one level, what this passage is about. God in Christ calling, calling his followers to cast nets to bring people into fellowship with God and with his church, the body of Christ, to become as good at catching people as they were at catching fish. But as I pondered it this week, and as I thought about those men that Jesus called, who they were, the lives that they lived before he called them, I, I, feel like, I feel like they were a lot like us, like people like us. Not exactly like us, obviously, because they lived a long time ago and they made their living uh, catching fish with their hands on the Sea of Galilee. So that's different. Not many of us are doing that for a living today. But what is the same is this. They were living fairly ordinary lives, just going about their work. And really, before Jesus called them, they probably didn't feel like they needed more than they had. They didn't have a lot of advertisements telling them that they needed more than they had. They had all the fish they needed. They could provide for their family. Being a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee wasn't going to make them rich, but the catching of fish was good. They could provide for their needs. And they knew it, was, they knew it like second nature. It was a good life. And that's how they are a lot like us. Most of us have what we need. And maybe we feel uh, some discontent uh, from time to time, or maybe we feel it a lot. But things for us in this country are generally okay. But see, Jesus called them. When, when, when Jesus called them, they dropped everything to follow him. And I don't think it was because they were looking for adventure or for escape. I mean, here were two brothers, two fishermen doing their work, catching fish, doing a good job of it. That's what their life was about. It was about fish. And here comes Jesus, and he tells them to follow him. And he's not offering them a new way to make a living. He's calling them to a fundamental reorientation of their life. Because before Jesus called them, their life was about fish. But the life that he called them to would be all about people. And when they dropped their nets, they went from making a living to making a life. And that's what following Jesus does to you. I mean, maybe you're an investment baker, and, 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 and so your world is really about investments and, and money all day long. But when you become a follower of Jesus, you're changed. And people become so much more important than all the investments and all the money in the world. Maybe you're a developer or a realtor, and your life is all about land and property and sales. But become a follower of Jesus, and he puts all of that into perspective. And other people become the chief concern in your life. It doesn't matter what you are, really. When you are called to follow Jesus, you are being called to a fundamental reorientation of your priorities. 
and you realize that people, those wonderful and lovable and frustrating and sometimes infuriating things, you realize that they are the only things that are made in the image of God. And so that they are the most important thing in this world. To me, that was the biggest change that Jesus was calling his disciples to, to live for others, to make other people of supreme importance in their lives. And if you read the Gospels, you see that it took the disciples a long time to get to the place where they actually lived that way. But once they did, once they did get it, the way they lived their lives and the the way they shared their message about Jesus, it changed the whole world. If they hadn't gotten it, y'all wouldn't be here today worshiping Jesus. And the thing is, loving others isn't easy to do. It's often messy, it's often costly, because as long as your worries are all about your own stuff, I mean, it might be hard stuff, but at least it's your own stuff. But start loving others, truly loving them, seeing them with the eyes of Christ. And like Paul says, weep when they weep and rejoice when they rejoice. I mean, that's, that can be a very inconvenient thing. So, and sometimes it will be hard, almost too difficult for you, but it will always be holy. And the kingdom of heaven will have drawn near in those moments. After Jesus called his disciples, he sent them out to spread the good news of the kingdom. And, he to- and something he told them to tell the people as they traveled was this. He said, tell them that the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is, a, this is profound to me because think about what he's saying. Think about, think about for a moment. How was the kingdom of heaven going to come near to those people when the disciples were visiting with them? It was simply this. When the followers of Jesus drew near to people, that was when the kingdom of heaven was drawing near to them. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God had come near because God's kingdom people, the followers of Jesus, had come near. And what that tells me is this, that when we are following Jesus, it tells me that wherever we are, when we spend time with people, when we let ourselves love them, and when we begin to weep with them and rejoice with them, the kingdom of heaven is near in those moments. And when you see that that is what is happening, that the kingdom of heaven is breaking in through you, it infuses into every relationship, every interaction, a holiness that so much of the time we miss. We're just not aware of it. But people, what if we were aware of it? What if we were aware that when we go out from this place, uh, we're, we're, we're able to bring the kingdom of heaven near to the people we interact with? What if we were consciously aware that every handshake, every look, every interaction is a chance for the kingdom of God to touch the people that we are with, for heaven to break in and to be unleashed in this world? You know, I wear this collar a lot. See this collar? It's not very comfortable. I don't like it. Um, But I wear it a lot, and I wish all Christians had to wear these collars. I really do. Because, let me, and let me tell you why. Because when I first started wearing it, I noticed that the world was a totally different place. It was a totally different place. I was living up in Wisconsin at, at the time, and that's not why it was a totally different place, but that was some of the reason it was a totally different place. <laughs> but almost everybody I passed on the street, right after I put this collar on, for the very first time, I wasn't a, I wasn't a priest yet, but they'd always, they'd always say, good morning, Father. Uh, uh, good, good afternoon, Father. I mean, these, these are young men and old women, and I could not possibly be their father. They're not mistaking me for their dad. <laughs> but they would address me that way. And you know what it did to me, other than shock me? You know what it did? It reminded me that because I am a Christian, 
The kingdom of God is here. Just because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a priest, but because I'm a Christian, because I'm following Jesus into this world, and I'm here, there's a chance for the people around me to experience the kingdom of God in their life. And that's the reason I wish all Christians had to wear these, because then you would be aware of it too. People would address you differently, and you would walk into the world, and it'd be like, this is a different place. All of these people need God in their life in a, in a profound way. And look, here's somebody that knows him because he's wearing this or you're wearing that. Maybe God could use me. Maybe, 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 that, maybe this moment is a moment in which God is at work and, and I can be available to him. Well, putting on the collar for me made it imperative. I had to be available. I had to be. But even when I'm not wearing the collar, even when I'm out there in incognito mode and nobody knows, I'm still a follower of Jesus, right? And God is still at work, isn't he? And the kingdom of God is still drawing near in me and through me and in you and, and, and through you everywhere you go. We sang a hymn right before I read the gospel this morning, and it's got, some of, it's got some very haunting lines in it. I don't know if you were paying attention to it, but it was like, it starts off kind of nice, everything seems good, and then all of a sudden they're dying. They're getting crucified upside down. It's like, why are we singing this? But listen to these words. Actually, you can look at it if you want to hear it, if you, if you want to read it, top of page five. They cast their nets in Galilee just off the hills of Brown, such happy, simple fisherfolk before the Lord came down. Contented, peaceful fishermen before they ever knew the peace of God that filled their hearts brimful and broke them too. Let me just stop. I mean, look what it says. It says that before Jesus came, they were happy. Living their simple lives, they were happy. They didn't know they needed more. They were just fine. And in the next slide, it says that the, before the peace of God filled their hearts, they were peaceful and content. And it was when God's peace filled them all the way to the brim, it broke them. This is intense. Young John, who trimmed the flapping sail, homeless in Patmos died. Peter, who hauled the teeming net, head down was crucified. And now look what happened to them. What's the peace of God? Filled them. Once they knew Jesus, once they answered his call and agreed to follow him, they suffered. And look how they died. This is not a good picture at all. You want to just stop the service and let's go home? <laughs> look at the last verse. The peace of God, it is no peace, but strife closed in the sod. I mean, what in the world does that mean? I think we're the sod. I think we're, I think we're the sod. And that when the peace of God infects us, it, uh, it gets enclosed in us in a way that makes it so that we cannot not care about the world anymore. The peace of God, it is no peace, but strife closed in the sod. Yet, let us pray for but one thing, the marvelous peace of God. This is a haunting hymn because it reminds us that the peace of God is not what the world considers peace. It's not simply absence of trouble, absence of strife. The peace of God doesn't empty us of our care and concern. But instead it fills us. It fills us with care and concern so full that it breaks us. And once that happens, we can never go back to our former way of life. The disciples could have lived out their lives just fine 
without Jesus coming along and calling them. They could have lived as simple fishermen, and most likely they would have lived, they would have lived their life in, in peace. And, they, and they, would, they would have had their troubles, but that's all it would have been was their troubles. Living along the Sea of Galilee, it's unlikely that they would have suffered very much, and they would almost certainly not have died the way they did. But when they answered the call of Jesus, he made them fishers of men. And they left behind their easy, secure, and peaceful life, and they exchanged it for a life with God. And the peace of God filled their hearts, filled them with care and concern for the people all around them, filled them to the point of breaking, because that's what happens when you hear the call of God and you follow him. So what about us? What about you? Are you up for this kind of life? Are you up for this kind of peace? Because Jesus is calling each and every one of us to follow him and become fishers of people, to care deeply about the struggles of our neighbors, to pray for our enemies, to love extravagantly the people that God puts in our path, to be there so that the kingdom of God can draw near to them. Following Jesus will not bring you the kind of peace the world seeks. It will not empty your life of care. It will fill you so full that you feel like you're going to break. And maybe you will, but it's worth it because it's deeper and it's truer and it's holier than anything this world can offer. It's like that last line of the hymn. The peace of God, it is no peace, but strife closed in the sod. Yet let us pray for but one thing, the marvelous peace of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, dare we pray for your peace? We do. Give us your peace. Fill us with care and concern for the people of this world. Let our lives be lived in worship of you. Let us be available to you, God. Let every action, every thought, every interaction be occasions for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in us and through us so that all people might know your son and be welcomed into your kingdom. God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.